Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry to help you do church better. I am your co-host, John Ronaldo, and I am joined here by the one and the only Chris Wesley. Chris, how are you on this fine day? I am doing well, John. It is, uh, it's all good in the neighborhood, if I may. <laughs> nicely done, nicely done. So, Hey, what's going on in your ministry world right now? What's kind of capturing, kind of as a side note, what's kind of capturing your imagination or your thoughts or where's your brain these days in ministry? Uh, my imagination is just caught by you, John. I'm always wondering, <laughs> WWJD, what is John doing? What would John do in this situation? But no, no. Um. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's heretical, but okay, please continue. <laughs> No, not necessarily. I mean, if you think about it, um, you know, WWJD in itself is heretical because we shouldn't be asking what would Jesus do? We know what Jesus did. It should be like, what did Jesus do? So that's WDJD. What did Jesus do? You know, so like, what would Jesus do? Uh, that's anyway, totally. Well, that, that, well, it really should be. So what, what did Jesus do and what should I do in light of that? That would be yeah, a really yeah. like long bracelet, right. you know, right. acrostic. Right. <laughs> Thing WWJD is what would John like meaning Ronaldo do? That's, that's a question like that, you know, you ask about your role models and you're, you're my role model, man. So no, I, 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 I would challenge you to find other role models. Thank you very much. No, but um, speaking of role models, a, a huge role model of mine is actually uh, Doug Fields, uh, who's the former youth pastor at Salback Church and um, great writer. And he came out with a book um, years ago called Your First Two Years in Youth Ministry, right? And, um, you know, for me, uh, I've been thinking a lot about that book recently because as, as a lot of people who follow me on Marathon Youth Ministry know, I just celebrated two years at my current ch- uh, church, at my current par- parish. So I've been thinking a lot about uh, your first two years and then as well as a coach. And I don't know if you guys face this a lot in the parish success group, but with coaching, um, you know, uh, there are a lot of new youth ministers, a lot of new DREs that I come in contact with. And uh, we talk a lot about like, what do you do in those first like couple of months, first year, first two years of ministry. Um, and I think that it's an important subject uh, to talk about. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I'd love for us to dig into that. Um, so let me ask you a question, John. Do you remember your first like two years in ministry? Yes, I do. <laughs> okay. Tell me about it. Yeah, no, I mean, it was really interesting. I was a brand new youth ministry leader uh, straight out of college. It was, and I was hired to, to really launch, to create a new program because there was no program in existence. My associate pastor and boss basically said, here's a couple names of people that you should meet with who will be the basis of your core team. Meet with them and go. And so I met with them. I started, I think technically I started July 31st and I launched a youth ministry on September 30th. So two months uh, in terms of the the prepping and kind of getting things going and and what it would be and let's be honest it wasn't youth ministry it was youth group uh, which you know uh, s- some of us loathe that idea that youth group is all that there is to youth ministry right you know uh, and so I launched a youth group that uh, met every Sunday night and I 
create new topics each time we would do music we would have food uh and 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 that was it uh and and really i look back when i when i train folks on this is there's a lot of things i would have do differently but the question for me is would i have known how to do it differently if i didn't go through that experience in the first place right mm -hmm. you know and so um, you know, I, I had also read Doug Field's book on uh, your first two years in ministry, which I also thought was a really good book. I was looking for it on my bookshelf, but I, I don't seem to, to have it anywhere. So it may have been one of the books I purged along the way, uh, you know, um, but I would have done things a whole lot differently, especially in the context of what we're expecting from our ministries in terms of catechesis, in terms of evangelization, in terms of good comprehensive youth ministry. I would have done things a whole lot differently. But the problem for me is the pressure was that there was there was pressure to get going and get going right away. And you, as a young youth minister mm -hmm. and, and as a people pleaser, because I'm a people pleaser, I wanted to please everybody, make everybody happy. So I just went forward. Now, with that said, I did have a lot of support from the leadership uh, and from my director of faith formation, other folks. So I had some really good support and really thankful for that. Um, but it was exciting, but hard at the same time. And on top of that, uh, an added part of my job description was to lead the, uh, the youth band and choir in liturgy. So wow. I was doing youth music as well. We were doing contemporary you know, youth music at the time as well. So are, are you a musician? Like, I am a musician. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Right. So, cool. so it was really interesting to, to, to manage that. I think that was kind of like, that wasn't part of the job description, but like, they're like, Oh, John plays music bonus. All right, let's, let's throw you in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My bonus was the fact that I knew how to do film editing and things like that. So mm. I had to do some of those things. It, it, it's crazy how similar our beginnings were. Um, because when my first day, I'll never forget my first day. Um, I walk into my office and the pastor's not around. My supervisor, um, was not around. He was away on a conference for a week and there was a sheet on my desk that said, call these people, see if they're going to still volunteer this year for middle school youth ministry, which was starting in two weeks. And so I'm cold calling these people I'd never met, didn't know if they knew, that I was going to be the new youth mister. And so it was just, it, it was crazy. Um, but over time, you know, just kind of, you know, the, the difference though between you and me is my uh, predecessor for youth ministry was still there. He was my supervisor. So I was able to wean in pretty smoothly. But, you know, I think back to that experience. I think back to even when I started over, I think back to like a lot of the clients I've helped, you know, with their onboarding. And I think there's some things that, one, and we've talked about onboarding before that we need to address, you know, from if I'm a supervisor or a pastor or whatnot that we need to change. But what do we do? And this isn't just for youth ministers, but what do we do if I'm a new minister in the parish? Um, and I think there's kind of two groups that we're talking to today, right? There's the fresh out of college, never worked anywhere else, um, first job. And then there's, I worked in corporate America or, you know, in nonprofit. And now I'm, you know, entering into church ministry. So, uh, so let, let's start with like fresh out of college, right? Like, what do you feel like if, if you were sitting down with your, you know, 23 year old self, or, you know, 
22 year old self, however old you were when you started in ministry, like what's like the first piece of uh, advice that you would throw out there? Relax. It's okay. <laughs> Slow down. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I think I was an energetic, you know, young youth minister who just wanted to do a whole lot and wanted to do things quickly. And so uh, what happened for me is like, I just started going, right. My wheels started spinning, you know, and I didn't put pen to paper. So I didn't create a plan or anything like that. I just started to go. I was like, okay, I know what I'm doing. They hired me to be the expert. So let's rock and roll, you know? And so let's, let's, let's call these people. Let's, let's do these things. Let's get this, let's figure out a date and let's get started right away. And I think for me, one of the things that I would have done is really slow down the entire process of when we were going to launch. There are a couple of unique things about my reality, Chris, that may have been different than yours. One, I was fresh out of college, which sounded like you were close to that point too. But, but uh, I had, uh, I was also in charge of the confirmation program. So I was the director, I was the coordinator of youth and young adult ministry. So I had to do middle school. The vision was middle school ministry, high school ministry, young adult ministry, and the sacrament of confirmation, which we did. Uh, we had a one-year program at the high school level. Okay. The other difference was we had a uh, K through eight school and a nine through 12 school attached. Uh, and so part of my reality was going into both schools, doing things with the middle school, doing things with the high school, I was in charge of the retreats for the middle school and I would team up with the campus minister at the high school to do retreats with the high school. Okay. So I just want to give a picture of what that looked like for me. The reality is that I got very narrowly focused on what it was I needed to do. And it was this launch of the youth group. And if I were to go back and do it again, I would say, slow down, take a look at the bigger picture and really put pen to paper, create a plan of what it is that you're trying to do within say the first three months, the first six months and the first year so that you set yourself up for success and really start thinking logically and intentionally about step one, step two, step three, step four. This is where we're going to go with that because that was really a lot to juggle for me as a, as a, as a young minister is figuring all that out. I think the second piece of advice that I would really give is Spend some time building the relationships. Uh, this is where I probably would have waited to launch a, a youth group or a youth ministry program until I was more established in the parish. What do I mean by that? Okay, so who are the key stakeholders, right? So first on staff. Now, because I had two schools attached to it, we had a very large staff. So I, I needed to spend time not only getting to know my Paris staff, you know, and building those relationships. And they were great. I look back, honestly, I look back at those years with, mm. with fondness, honestly, like it was great. I was, I was so thankful that my career was launched where it was. Uh, and, and I believe that's one of the reasons why I'm able to do what I do today is because of that successful launch. And, and part of it is the huge support that I had. So, but I would spend, okay, who's on, who's on staff, you know, and what wisdom do I need to learn from them? Going over to the middle school, getting to know the, the religion coordinator, getting to know the middle school teachers, and really start to build that relationship. Uh, and then who's over at the high school, specifically the principal and the campus minister, as well as the liturgy people. So like the, 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 uh, the theater teacher who taught English and a bunch of other things, she was involved in liturgical music, right? 
I, 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 what I should have done is spent more time getting to know them, uh, their gifts and strengths, and how do we leverage each other in light of that? Because what I did, instead of leveraging those relationships and building those relationships, I just said, it's all dependent on me. I have all the gifts and strengths that we need to launch this, which is super prideful and super not true, right? You know, and that would be, those would be two major steps. Put pen to paper and really create a plan of what this looks like for whatever your ministry is. Again, it's not just youth ministry. And then get to know the key stakeholders. And I would add parishioners at that as well. Being at every mass, getting to know everybody that comes in and out. And for me, in my particular audience, I really wanted to know who are some of the, the adults and young adults who have uh, maybe a potential calling uh, to, to be involved in ministry as, as a volunteer or whatnot. I would have slowed down that whole relationship building process. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, it's interesting. Uh, those would be two of the uh, same pieces of advice I'd give my younger self. I'd probably add into that, like, just immerse yourself in prayer. You know, um, I, I don't think it was until my second year that I uh, heard a talk given by this pastor who said um, he mandated his staff to once a month go and just do a day of prayer, you know, and just be with the Lord and everything like that. And, and so I took that to heart and I went back to my pastor and, and I said like, Hey, is, is this something I can do? And he was actually all for it. So once a month, um, and it was hard actually once a month, I would force myself not to take a day off, not to go home and, and just sleep in, but to go spend like most of the morning in adoration and then the rest of the day in reflection and, and, and prayer and just listening to God, uh, you know, direct uh, me and where the ministry needs to be taken. Um, and so I look back at that and, and my, my prayer habits have slightly changed uh, since then, but like looking back and that being very fruitful. So I, I think, yeah, I would agree with you. Slowing down, realizing that you don't have to like be, you know, a thousand times successful you know, within, I did air quotes and no one can see that. Uh, but, you know, you have to be highly successful um, within your first year, uh, deemed by what everyone else thinks is success. Secondly, you know, network, get to know people, as many people as possible. And thirdly, immerse yourself in prayer. Um, one of the things that uh, we're doing in Marathon Youth Ministry is actually starting to work with dioceses on this new youth minister cohort. Um, and it's based off of, uh, I love this principle, and I think it applies to people, even if they're not in youth ministry. And uh, it's something I got from my buddy, Doug Franklin, who's with Leader Treks. And it's the intentional ministry model. And it starts out with, if you're trying to revamp or start over, like the first thing you gotta focus on is, uh, is that team around you, that core leadership team around you. And so I think this goes back to kind of like what you were talking about, John, with networking with people. Um, so one thing that I spend a lot of time with new clients or clients who are new to ministry on is, you know, spending time to figure out who are people that you can like sit down and listen to um, people in your church that could be a part of your ministry that have expertise in managing other people, uh, thinking outside the box, um, you know, who are networkers, spend that time building that relationship one-on-one -on -one, and then spend time trying to connect and see if the people you're meeting with one-on-one -on -one can work as a group. And if you spend your first year or two doing that, then you're going to build a strategic leadership team out of that as well. Um, after that, it's looking at your models of ministry. 
you know, like, do you do small groups? Do you do large groups? Are you event driven? Like you can be all those things, but how does that look in the flow of your church? And then it's looking at your intentional discipleship. You know, uh, what are the habits that you want people to embrace? What are uh, some of the ways that you want to see people grow in their, in their faith, in their um, Catholicism and, and map that out and match that with your inten intentional discipleship model. Um, in a youth ministry standpoint, then we talk about, you know, partnering with parents and building up student leaders, but at least those first three things, right? Um, building a, a strategic leadership team, creating intentional systems and structures, and looking at how you're going to help people grow as disciples, I think are key, no matter what area of ministry you're a part of, um, especially starting out. Those are all questions I did not ask, you know, and, and I look at the, the, Structure, I think, is real key. What, who are the leaders you're surrounding yourself with? And, and, and I think really as, as you grow your ministry, as you look at what you do, you, you have to create a, really an organizational structure for your, your ministry, right? And it doesn't need to be, you know, multiple layers long. I'm not suggesting that at all. But, you know, uh, you know I think we should have like the inner team, right? The, the inner core team that we have that really is our strategic partners, to your point, Chris, who really help drive the vision of what we're trying to do. All right, that becomes your inner circle, but then there's a wider circle that uh, can be, that end up being more of the doers, right? It could be your catechists, could be your volunteer youth ministers, could be all these folks, these retreat leaders, right? You know, and what does that look like? And so mapping that out on paper, you know, and say, okay, if I'm going to be doing X, Y, and Z in my ministry, okay, what does my people power need to look like? to achieve that and what does that structure look like to be able to do that and, and see this is where i just ran into it. i said i i need doers i need people who can relate with young people and so you 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 come on let's go and let's launch this in um and there was no vision to what it is that we want to accomplish and and for me i had no no language to what you just said about what are the habits that i want to create in in young people in particular, uh, to help them be discipled. I, I didn't have that language at all. I just knew what I grew up with. Uh, I was involved in ministry, so some of that must work. So let's just do that, right? And, and that's not bad. Copying, you know, successful models is not a bad thing, you know, but I wasn't digging that. I, I think really, I just, it was about numbers. Like I wanted people there, right? Um, and I want to get them fired up, quote unquote, whatever that means, right? You know, what does fired up mean? You know, and, uh, and then, and then of course I wanted people at mass, right? Well, my pastor wanted people at mass. So therefore I wanted people at mass, right? So, uh, and again, those are all good things. None of that's bad, but I, I didn't have the language or the articulation to understand what I want to accomplish with these young people that I was working with, right? What's the goal? And we, and we talk about that a lot, a lot in the podcast is, the goal is relationship, right? Relationship with Christ, relationship with the community. Well, I was probably doing an okay job with the relationship with the community. I'm not sure how well I did with the relationship with Christ aspect of things. Well, and just kind of going off of that too, I think if you're new, you have to demand um, clarification around what success looks like and what your expectations are. You know, um, I think that's the problem is you jump into ministry and they're chasing a, an emotion or feeling, right? Big numbers, uh, high energy. Uh, and this is not just youth ministry, right? Like people just, you know, being enthusiastic. And that, those are all signs and results of success. 
um, but that does not necessarily define success. So, you know, even if you're in charge of liturgical ministries and you go into the church, right? You, 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 you got to find your core team of leaders. You don't necessarily have to work on a model of ministry because the mass does that for us, except you might want to look at the beginning and the end, you know, like how are we doing greeting? How are we doing fellowship afterwards? Um, you might want to say, okay, what's the culture or the habits that we want our liturgical ministers to embrace? What's the feel that we want to do with that? What defines success in that? Like, what does my pastor expect? What does my pastor see as successful? Um, and, uh, because the worst thing in the world is that you expedite all this energy towards something that's not even what you're expected to do. And that's, I think how we get burnt out a lot. Um, you know, because church staffs don't communicate well on this and you, John might work really, really hard on a project. And if I'm your pastor, I walk in and say like, John, that's great, but that's not what I wanted you to do, you know? And so, you know, one, the responsibility is on us as, as leaders but if you're new into ministry, it's, it's not assuming um, that uh, you know what your pastor expects. It's asking him, um, asking your supervisor, like what's expected of you and making sure that you hone down on that for sure. Yeah, I agree. And, and as a new minister, I think it is your responsibility to insist on regular meetings with whoever your supervisor is, whether it's your pastor, parochial vicar, whoever, because that's the only way that you're going to be able to get that understanding of what they're looking for is what is success is. Uh, so insist on it. Now, best practice, this is a best practice management, you know, management practice once a week for 30 minutes every week, regardless with your supervisor, right? Now I, people, People go, ah, no way. I don't have time for that. You have to make time for it. So I'm going to speak to the supervisors here for a second. You know, make time for it. There's nothing more important that you do in ministry than that time, the intentional time with your team, your staff. Look, it's about relationship building, building that relationship and clarifying expectations and supporting your staff. That is why we do 30 minute one-on-one -on -one meetings. So if you're a new minister, insist on it, or you're going to be doing a whole lot of work that is not encouraged at all uh, or supported. And, and, and that's just going to like, it's going to deflate you, you know, mm -hmm. and just kick the energy out of you. And, and I would say along those lines, and this was an issue that I've always have, I had before and I continue to have is I'm a change agent. I know that about myself. And so I go and I look at things you know, in the parish or in the ministry and go, okay, how can we do this better? Right. And so what I immediately start to do is start to try to do things better without buy-in. Mm. And, and I've gotten myself in trouble more than once about doing this. And so be careful. Those of you who are change agents like me, you know, it's like, Oh, this could be better. This could be better make sure you've got the bind specifically from your, your leader, but specifically from your pastor and then, you know, your team and everybody else as well. Don't just start going to do new things without running it up the flagpole. That is a recipe for terror <laughs> for yeah. being unsuccessful really. And well, trust me, that's not going to help at all. And, and you can pit your coworkers against you and, and that's not, that's not good at all. Um, one thing, so I think this is great advice for someone who's new, like fresh out of college, like we've talked about, but let's say like John, you and I are new in ministry and we spent 
years, you know, as uh, someone in the financial district or, you know, working in the schools or, you know, a nonprofit or business sector or secular world. And now all of a sudden we find ourselves in ministry. Um, what, what type of advice would you give to uh, someone who is, you know, making a career change into ministry? The culture of the organization you were in before is completely different in church ministry. What do I mean by that? Look, the church is not a business, all right? There are many people who want and say the church should be more run like a business. In some circumstances, that is true, okay? But it's a fine balance, you know, that the 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 reason church exists is not the same reason that your previous organization exists, whether it's a nonprofit or a for-profit or whatnot. And so take, the, and even if you've been going to church your entire life, and even if you've been going to daily mass your entire life, it's a culture shock. Take the time to understand how church culture works with all of its joys and all of its not so much joys, because there's going to be both. Understand it, because if you don't understand the world of church, and I've seen this a lot, a business manager comes in, retire, you retired from his, you know, successful career and whatever, and it comes in and becomes a business manager and kind of wants this to be their second career, which is laudable, which is great. And I encourage that obviously, because I think that's important and we should be doing that. Um, take the time to understand that this is just a different world for better or for worse. It's a different world. So take the time to understand how church operates. Yeah. Um, I, I would agree with that. I think for a lot of people, they expect the same kind of either efficiency or systems to be in place. Um, and part of that is just not the case, not because church people are ignorant to that. It's just, it's kind of new. I mean, even lay ecclesial staff people is a new concept in the church for centuries. It was run by clergy and religious and now lay people are coming in and therefore it has changed the, for lack of a better term, the business of how you do church. Um, so some of it's going to be familiar. Some of it is just, it's just not going to happen in the church world. And, and to say what that is, um, I think we're still figuring that out. You know, I think, um, you know, it's, it's partly like your work hours, your, um, you know, uh, the way that you make decisions and things like that are, are going to be heavily influenced um, by, um, by the nature of what ministry you're in. Uh, you can't expect to walk into a church and have a nine to five job that clocks in and clocks out every single day. I mean, even if you have a school attached to it, you know, the school part would probably be the more, more normal side of it. But like in the parish center, um, it's much more mobile and, and, um, and, and you have to be very flexible and adaptive to that. And the nice thing is if you've worked long enough in any kind of organization, I think you kind of understand that. I think most people walking in get that. Um, the other thing I would say is though, don't shy away from your work experience and don't be afraid to influence the church with that. So if you come in from another organization and know that this is a better system or this is a better software or this is a better resource or this is a better like methodology, don't be afraid to bring it up and and don't assume that everyone knows how to do that um, because you, God might have called you into this ministry to help that church 
take it to that next level, to become more efficient, to become um, a place where the staff is not turning over and burning out. Um, you know, so if you've worked in an organization where there was stable communication where, or clear communication and systems and structures in place, like bring that, bring that to the table, sit down with the pastor, you know, it doesn't matter what your role is. Um, you know, I, I, all the pastors that I know are like willing to learn, you know, about that and whether they agree with you or not at the end of the day is another point, but like they really want to know like, okay, how do I manage all these men and women that I now employ on top of running a parish, you know? So, so you can bring in that experience because you've seen it, whether you were an admin assistant or the CEO of a company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly, but my, uh, my advice still stands for what I said earlier is make sure you're on the same page with your leader. So don't just start enacting changes or doing things without running it up the flagpole oh, yeah. and going back to, you know, if you're this, you know, second career type of person coming into ministry, great. Good to have you here. Set up those one-on-one meetings, you know, with your supervisor, with your pastor right away, meet on a regular basis and talk about those experiences. Because although I think, I think people can be open to change, at least when we talk about it, we're open to change. But when we start to move forward, we become a little bit more resistant to that. Yeah. Uh, and remember, yeah, the whole the whole church culture um, uh, has been set up and, and has worked this particular way for however long. So to come in and expect it to change uh, right away is a fool's errand. And I think. I think that's important. My, I, my experience, I, I worked for a secular nonprofit for, for a time and I worked for Catholic charities uh, for a time. And I have found that leaving the diocese of San Jose and going to do that work only enhanced my ability to minister because I think I learned skills at those two world and those two worlds that I would have never learned if I stayed in parish or diocesan work. Now that's not a knock on parish and diocesan work. So, so don't read that wrong. But what I'm, what I'm affirming is people who come from the outside and have these experiences, it could be very, very valuable. They may be resistant to change, but it's still very valuable. And so you want to bring that to the table. So I agree, don't shy away from it. But I think the rest of it still stands. Create a plan, build relationships, get to know everybody. I, I really think that's the bedrock. And when I say build a plan, like not only do you take a look at the organizational structure, but start creating those goals with your pastor or with your supervisor. What are the realistic measurable goals that you're going to do within the first year, within the first two years, uh, and then start hashing that out. What's the action plan that's going to achieve those goals. It's just like any sort of planning process that we would do. It's like, let's map it out definitely, and start, definitely. Work, start working the plan. Awesome. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, that's kind of like, you know, uh, one of the reasons we like talking about this, it, it's one of the reasons why we're a part of the organizations that we're, we're a part of uh, with Marathon and, and Parish Success Group. Um, you know, and so if you're a part of a, uh, you know, parish staff that's looking to, um, you know, figure out how to, how to just be healthier and, and reorganize things, uh, you know, check out Parish Success Group. Uh, by going to parishsuccessgroup.com. Uh, you, you never know. You might be lucky and have John Ronaldo as your consultant for that. But, uh, you know, if you listen to a couple of episodes ago, Rich Kern talks a little bit more about that. But, you know, like there are groups out there that help you with those transformations if that's happening. If you're a new, you know, 
uh, youth minister or DRE, um, any, anyone really, but it, and, and you need coaching. I mean, that's what Marathon Youth Ministry does as well. Um, and I know uh, that's why we created these organizations because of our own experience um, and wanting to make sure that people are set up for success so they're not burning out because of, of unnecessary obstacles that we sometimes put in place. But to kind of wrap things up, you know, just to recap, if you're new, whether you're transitioning or you're fresh out of college, uh, you know, slow down, take your time. All right. You're there as long as God needs you to be there. And so he's going to provide you all with all the resources and opportunities that you need. So don't try to force, you know, uh, things that shouldn't be forced. Uh, network with people, connect with people, think about who you, your future leaders are, who your accountability partners are, who you can work with, who you are going to have to pour into, who's going to pour into you. Uh, just network there. And then, you know, just immerse yourself in prayer and, you know, rely on God and the fact that he has you right where he needs you to be. And then that's when you get to start doing some of the fun stuff of strategic planning, of uh, thinking about the type of disciples that you want, um, to think about the kind of change that you want to bring on. But really slow yourself down into that and know that this isn't a sprint, uh, that this is a long journey. Um, John, any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up? Yeah, one final thought. Just think long term. Think beyond yourself. You know, that we want to create ministry opportunities that outlast you as a minister because you're not going to be there forever. I'm not going to be here forever. So think legacy, not, not John Ronaldo legacy type of thing, but legacy for Christ within your church community. And how do you build a structure that will outlast you and continue to create intentional disciples and to bring people towards Christ? Cool. That is important. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Uh, thank you, uh, John, for your thoughts. Uh, thank you to everyone who's listening. If you want to find John, um, of course, we mentioned the Parish Success Group. Uh, just go to parishsuccessgroup.com. But you can also find John at johnronaldo.com. Uh, you can find him on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook at John Ronaldo. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, uh, Facebook at Marathon Youth Ministry or go to marathonyouthministry.com. Of course, uh, if you're not a subscriber to the church podcast, go to iTunes, subscribe, leave a review, let us know how we're doing. If there are people you want to hear on this, very topics that you want to talk about, shoot us an email at questions at the churchpodcast.org. But John, great conversation. And will you close us out in prayer? Absolutely. Let's begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Loving, gracious God, thank you. Thank you for the ministry that we have been blessed with, that you have given us as your stewards of our ministry. Lord, uh, continue to send your spirit upon us to direct us, to lead us, help us to be open to your spirit so that we could truly form disciples, that we could truly bring people to you in the work that we do and the relationships that we have, Lord. So be with us, bless us. In your name we pray, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.